So I think engaging in transparent dialogue is not intended to harm or hurt an institution. It is intended to understand what the issues are, to grow, to thrive, to reprioritize if necessary, and to focus on what is most important. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This is the fourth in a series of episodes dedicated to the fundamentals of community college governance. In this series, Jackie King, co-editor of the recently released Trusteeship in Community Colleges, A Guide for Effective Governance, second edition, interviews chapter authors about how to govern. In this episode, Dr. Charlene Dukes discusses student success and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Dukes is President Emerita of Prince George's Community College in Largo, Maryland, where she spent 25 years of her service in higher education, the first 12 as Vice President for Student Services. This conversation was recorded on Zoom, so please excuse a few brief dips in audio quality. I'm Jackie King. I was honored to serve as one of the co-editors uh, of this volume. Um, and as a chapter author, and I am delighted that we are joined today by Dr. Charlene Dukes, who is a longtime community college leader and uh, who authored a special section uh, in the chapter on student success that really focused uh, on the critical issue of equity. And so thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that we get to have this conversation. Um, you make a really excellent point that trustees have to examine the success of all students at the college and, and engage in a careful and honest examination of how well the college is meeting student needs. This can be a hard for trustees to do. Um, especially when their meetings have to take place publicly. Do you have any advice for how a president and board chair can lead a board in this kind of candid reflection? Well, I believe, first of all, that the work that we do is public because what we want to do is to ensure that the community that we serve, the people who live in those communities and the people who work within our internal community as institutions of higher education have a, um, a, a sense of trust and confidence in the work that we do. And that I believe that we would be remiss if we always sent a message that everything uh, was working well and that there were no things that we believed that we needed to spend some more time on. So I think as a, as a board, that at first it starts with understanding the governance responsibilities of the board. And generally in language, what you hear is the board has a fiduciary responsibility. And with that, we tend to immediately look at things like finance and the annual audits uh, of, the, of the college's um, financial operations. When in fact, there is a duty of care, loyalty, and obedience that extends far beyond that, far beyond our what I would call our elementary definition of fiduciary. What it says, and, and if, if boards understand their roles relative to accreditation, that's where you can also see where it takes place. What is the board's role in terms of leadership? What is the board's role in terms of uh, approving uh, programs? What is the board's role in understanding 
where students are succeeding relative to graduation, certification, uh, certificates, licensures. And if you take it a step further, what is their role in understanding where the college could do more, lean in more, reprioritize to ensure that the college, based upon the board's approval of the strategic plan and its larger commitment to the larger community is meeting the goals that it sets for itself. So I believe that it's, it's much easier than we may think to engage in those conversations because we can all talk about the successes the opportunities and, and the challenges uh, relative to the work that we're doing. That can happen in a board meeting, a public meeting with a report to the board around specific programs or specific services. And really, uh, I, I think wrap within the context of that conversation, how students are doing and are students accessing those programs? Do we see a difference from one semester to the next in terms of student performance? What are the support services that we have at the institution? Are students using those support services? And can um, the leadership of the institution, the president, the senior administration, deans, directors, uh, staff, people and the like, are they very clear about what the success measures are? when they're reporting out to the board and how do they keep a laser-like focus on those every day? So you made so many important points there and I really wanna key in on one that I think we, we both talk about in this, in this chapter is the necessity of setting a tone that um, candor is uh, to be expected. It's, it's not, there's not a blame game that, uh, that that people will appreciate the fact that the board and the leadership of the college are being uh, transparent about the work that the college needs to do. And um, it's not a function of, I think sometimes people think with the board that the goal is sort of to present, you know, a rosy picture. Um, exactly. And, and, and being clear that, no, that we want to be transparent because people will see through that. Oh, absolutely. I think that what we have to understand both as, as presidents, senior uh, leaders at the college, and certainly the board of trustees, because they are depending on us to um, ensure that they have the information they need as they are out in the community because board members do represent the community. So I think engaging in transparent dialogue is not intended to harm or hurt an institution. It is intended to understand what the issues are, to grow, to thrive, to reprioritize if necessary, and to focus on what is most important. That's great. I think that's such an important message, both for trustees to, to understand, but also for the leadership of the college to know. Um, you talk about the term equity-mindedness, which I think is such a great term um, and such an important concept. Can you share what that term means and, and describe how a board can promote equity-mindedness, both among the members and also with the college leadership, faculty and staff? Well, you know, equity-mindedness, I think, can take on the, the traditional definition really comes out of the Center for Urban Education at the University of Southern California. And it really is about 
how are practitioners race conscious and aware of the social and historical context of exclusionary practices in American higher education? And what we know is that every community is different. So in some cases, equity mindedness can be about race. Are institutions ensuring that all of their students are succeeding at the same rate? Or can they ensure that all students, regardless of background, are succeeding at the same rate? So one would think about it this way. If you have a student population, 50% of the population is white, 50% of the population is black. One would expect on the other end, black or some other uh, of some other racial origin, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, Latinx, uh, could be gender, men and women, but one would expect whatever that, that those percentages are, that on the 50% enter, and then you would expect that on this success end, that 50% would be successful. So that's about what equity is. How are, how are students moving through the institution successfully based upon the percentage of the percent that they represent within the institutional community? It also is about how we as employees within higher education don't approach students based upon a deficit model, which is sometimes what we do in higher education. We have become very used to blaming K-12 for whatever deficiencies uh, students bring to our institutions. And in doing so, I believe that we forget about why community colleges were actually founded. And we were founded to, to provide an opportunity for everyone to pursue higher education, regardless of their income, regardless of their um, academic prowess at the time that they choose to attend. So if we're always talking about what students don't have, we never get to the conversation about what they do have and where the institution's responsibility is to move students from where they are to where they want to be. And how does that change our practices, our procedures, our policies, um, our teaching styles in the classroom, how we service students and the like? It's a great point. Uh, we, uh, uh, students aren't there for us to fix them. They are there for us to serve them. And those are very different concepts. Those are very different concepts. And you know, even for me as a um, college president, I had to change my language because I moved early on in my career from talking about the baggage that students bring with them to the experiences that they bring. And I used my own um, experience as coming from a large family, low income, did not realize that until somewhere in the ninth grade, we started receiving um, different colored lunch tickets from everyone else. And I remember asking my counselor, what, why, why is the ticket that I present to the cafeteria staff red and other people's are white tickets or gray? They were like white, light gray. And he said, well, that helps us to make a distinction between those who are receiving free lunch and those who are not. And for me, that represented such a stigma going through high school 
that I remember my brothers and sisters and I asked our mom, could we just take our lunch and not have to go through the cafeteria line to present this red ticket because of the way people looked at us, nudged each other when they saw that ticket. So I, I think that that's what it, it's also about too. How do, we, how do we understand students' experiences and experiences shape all of us and students are no different in this process. Absolutely. And so many of the experiences that students bring, which on first blush, you might consider, well, that's a difficulty, but it's also a source of resilience and strength and, uh, and unique skills. And how much today are we talking about resilience, grit, determination? We're talking about all of those things within the environment that we're living in today. And that's what many students bring with them when they get up at three, four, five o'clock in the morning to get their families ready for whatever the day will bring. And then they get on a, uh, they use public transportation and take two or three um, buses in order to get to the college campus. And we don't recognize that because we think that they come in and they should be ready to learn. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a digression, but I think it's valuable. I had the opportunity uh, last year, uh, last uh, summer and early fall to do a series of focus groups with students uh, and ex- about their experiences during COVID in particular and what it's like to be a college student during the pandemic. And what I heard over and over again was, you're the first person who's asked me that question. My -hmm. college hasn't asked me what I'm going through and what it's like and what I need. And I think that's another really valuable role that the board can play. They can prompt those questions. What do our students need? What are they experiencing? Um, Obviously this pandemic has changed all of our lives. Uh, how has it changed the lives of our students? Oh, absolutely. And, and even when we think about equity-mindedness, I'm always um, reminded of what needed to happen for students who we didn't even realize did not have technology at home. They, they were dependent upon coming, going onto college campuses and going to the computer labs to do their homework, to do any research they needed to do, to print out their documents. And when we all shut down unexpectedly, but certainly immediately in mid-March of 2020, what we did not realize is that we were telling students to go home without any of the tools in order to be successful in the classroom. So how many of us provided laptops to students. And and we did these laptop drives around the community because you know what else happened? Bus service shut down. So a student couldn't get to a particular location and colleges and universities had to um, rethink how they were going to provide services to students. The other thing is that knowing uh, around the issues around uh, technology not just laptops, but internet access. You know, how many colleges and universities uh, and public K-12 provided hotspots to students. 
those are equity issues because we make assumptions about what students have access to. And as boards, they can ask some key questions that again are intended to educate and allow institutions to prepare and deliver on an appropriate response. Absolutely. Um, just by prompting those questions, the board can display a lot of leadership and, and bring about a much more nuanced conversation about what students may be needing during Absolutely. the pandemic. I've, I heard from a lot of colleges, a lot of students who said, from eight to two, I have to help my child with their online school. I can't take classes between eight and 2.30 because my child is six or seven and I have to be there for them during those hours. I can't be in class myself. So, you know, how does that prompt changes that the college may want to think about? There's so many, it's, it's, it's a nuanced conversation and we could, you know, it, can, it spins out in lots of different ways, but I completely agree with you. Those probing questions from a board can be so helpful. Um, and you know, the other probing question, if I may, Jackie, is that um, we found that we had to pay attention to and should pay attention to. And I believe that um, we certainly have unearthed the kinds of inequities that a pandemic unintentionally created that will cause colleges and universities and particularly our community colleges to continue asking these questions and shifting and pivoting for years to come. We have to ask similar questions of our employees. Many of us never thought about the fact that if our students are taking care of their children or, or managing other caregiving responsibilities they have, employees are doing the same thing. So it really does and did require a shift in thinking, a shift in understanding what equity mindedness means and how we interpret, translate, explain that to a board of trustees. So as they are engaging in their governance roles at the institution, they too are asking the right questions. And in many cases, helping with the solutions by introducing uh, strengthening partnerships, uh, looking at services that exist out in the community and inviting people to come in to be a part of the solution. That's great. Um, so, so many important roles for trustees and, and we know that, you know, there's been some progress in diversifying boards, uh, especially at community colleges, but most are still majority white. Um, so in addition to actively encouraging leaders of color to serve on boards, what can boards do to ensure that they're hearing from a diverse range of experiences and perspectives? Um, Mm -hmm. And in particular, how does a community college board ensure that the college is serving well communities that may not know how to advocate for themselves or may not feel comfortable doing that? How do we make sure nobody's left behind? Well, the first thing is, I believe the question for me would be, how does the board take a good look at itself? What are the questions they should be asking each other as board members who've been charged with this really important responsibility? Are they looking at each other and saying, do we really represent the community in which we reside? How can we do better? What is the education that we need? What don't we know in this process? Maybe we should take advantage of 
uh, some training in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and begin to define in, in concert with the president and other key members of our community, what that means for us in the locale where we, where we reside. So I think the first thing is to take an introspective look at itself as a board. And, and what that will mean is that individual members of the board will engage in that process in order to come out on the other end with a full board perspective on it. I think the other thing that can happen is that um, the board can take the lead in seeking recommendations from board service for board service from other members of the community. How do they engage the faith community in making recommendations of people who may be in their congregations about whom they know nothing? How do they engage community-based organizations who are, who are used to servicing students and servicing others who may be aware of some great candidates for the board, but because the board does not necessarily use those services, they may be unaware of them. So I think it's about taking an introspective look and then looking to the community to say, we wanna live the mission, the vision and the values that we say are important when you go to our website. So how do we do that with the help and support of our greater community? It's a great point. You have to start by looking internally and then you can start to look externally and make sure you're tapping into the full range of perspectives, understanding, knowledge in your community. It's great. Uh, you already mentioned that academic preparation uh, is something that, you know, is a, obviously a concern and that we have this history in higher ed of, of a blame game with our colleagues in K-12. Um, and we know that we have not uh, served students with our traditional remedial practices uh, historically as well as we could have in, com in community colleges. And luckily, happily, many community colleges have really changed a lot of those practices in recent years and, and left behind um, sort of a traditional approach to remediation. Um, so in addition to doing that, are there elements that you would recommend that community colleges do in partnership with their local public schools? How do we work in partnership uh, with them and maybe with others in our community um, to try to help more of our students to arrive uh, ready and to help them thrive? So I guess in, in short, how do, we, how do we get past that blame game and, and work better together? Well, I, I believe that one of the first things that we should always do, and, and that's boards and presidents in partnership, is to continuously keep at the forefront of our work that community colleges fulfill the promise of American democracy. And what that is, is that equal opportunity for all for social and economic mobility. And as we arrive on our campuses every day, as we sit in boardrooms uh, doing the governance work of boards, that we should be thinking about why are we here? Why were community colleges um, uh, incorporated? Why, why were they founded? And what is it that they are intended to do? And um, is that promise still with us today? So I believe that it is about um, community partnerships. It is about not blaming K-12 for what may not be happening, 
but actually linking arms with K-12 to say, how can we be partners in this work that we call education to ensure that young people are moving from um, your institution to our institution prepared and as ready as possible to enter a student ready institution, a student ready institution. The question we normally say is, these students don't appear to be ready for college. And the real question is, are we ready for the students that we are receiving on our campuses today in the 21st century? And what does that mean relative to policy? Because boards set policy. So how do boards undertake an intensive and extensive review of policy in order to determine, do we have antiquated language? Do we have some things that are standing in the way of how we support students and why we should support students? And once you look at policy, then boards have to demand that, that leadership looks at process and procedures because the policy can have all of the intended goodwill that it is, that it is meant to have. But if we have processes and procedures that work to keep people out as, a, as opposed to bringing them in, then we will continue to have the same problems and issues that we are talking about today. Absolutely. I love that. I love the, 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 the concept of the student-ready college instead of the college-ready student. I think that is fantastic. And if community college trustees can uh, keep that notion at the forefront of their thinking, uh, then um, they're going to go a very long way towards making sure that their college really ser truly serves their community. Absolutely. And I, I believe that it's not just about what happens in the classroom. Certainly what happens in the classroom is, is critically important and it is valuable to a student's success. But it's also what happens in support offices, those offices that are designed to help the student outside of the classroom, whether that's TRIO programs, Upward Bound, Veterans Upward Bound, uh, Ronald McNair scholarship programs, student support services. And then it's all of those other programs that we provide the opportunity for students to engage in. It's, um, it's what I call extracurricular activity work, student engagement uh, in programs, uh, student engagement in clubs and organizations, student engagement in internships and job shadowing and mentoring experiences that help to uh, provide the opportunity for students to stay focused, but also as employees of an institution to stay engaged with students. And as they are reporting out to board members who have an expectation around the success of students, that's where the idea of using outcomes and metrics and being able to show progression in the work that boards expect colleges to um, undertake. Absolutely, the, I think we've, we've gotten a lot better in the last couple of decades, I think, in higher ed of recognizing the fact that uh, those support services should always be focused on making the experience for the student 
richer, uh, more streamlined, less, uh, more convenient, more con uh, aligned with the realities of their lives and the other things that they have to do. Um, the, uh, the founder of the University of Phoenix was uh, fond of saying, the only thing hard about going to school here should be the classes. And I think we've, you know, uh, while uh, certainly there's a lot about traditional higher ed that, that is different than the for-profit institutions, I think we've embraced a lot of that in higher ed, that ethos of service and support to students. And, you know, I believe that classes should have rigor and quality associated with them. But, you know, even sometimes we make things hard in the classroom. Absolutely. So, and so we, how do unnecessarily we so. How do we look at all of that and um, say, where is it that we need to reshape, redefine, rethink? And, and COVID has opened the opportunity to do that. I don't believe that higher education will ever return to the traditional ways in which we operate it. That we have, we have learned some things that we should preserve. Uh, we've learned some things that we should never ever do again. And we've opened up our, our eyes and our minds to innovation, flexibility, agility, and defining what all of that looks like for the college student. With a recognition that community colleges are serving a plethora of students. So there is no one mold. They're not all high school students. They are, as a matter of fact, the average age continues to be somewhere around 27, 28. And that's average if we're right in the middle. So we are serving uh, young people as young as 13, 14 years of age as they are starting these early middle college programs. And we are serving more mature students who want to stay engaged in higher education after they've completed successful years uh, relative to their career. So that um, we have got to understand our ability to pivot to be flexible, to be mobile, to be agile? And how does the board um, engage in that discussion with its leaders? Yes, it's hard. It's going to be much harder for anybody in higher ed to ever say again, we can't do that. That would be too fast. We can't change that quickly because we know now that we can because we had to. Because we had to. So, well, I have so appreciated having the opportunity to spend some time with you today. And I'm, I'm confident that our listeners have gotten a lot from this conversation. They'll get a lot more from reading the book. Uh, it is chock-a-block full of valuable insights on the leadership of, of community colleges. And uh, uh, as we all try to uh, build back better, as our president would say, um, it's going to take all of us working together uh, to make sure that these vital institutions uh, serve the full range of constituents that they were founded to serve. You know, so our country you. needs community colleges and our world needs community colleges. So for me, Jackie, it was a pleasure to co-write the chapter with you and I look forward to a uh, continued relationship. Fantastic. I do too. Thanks so much. Thank you. To purchase Trusteeship and Community Colleges, A Guide for Effective Governance, second edition, visit the ACCT bookstore online. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.